0: The following podcast is part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to Mind Body Pause with Charlie Kale, holistic living for you and your animals. You found your happy place to nurture your connection to animals with enlightening information from the innovators who make their world a better place. This is Mind Body Pause on Empower Radio. Now, here's your host, fellow animal lover, Charlie Kale.
1: Hello and welcome to Mind Body Pause Holistic Living for You and Your Animals. Thank you for being here. This is show number 42, Dr. Dogs to the Rescue with Maria Godavage. I'm Charlie Kale, a passionate dog and cat mom, broadcaster, and Reiki master and practitioner in San Francisco at Energy Healing. For people and pause. I do distant healings and I do in person sessions for people and animals because energy transcends space and time. And you can find out more on my website, charleykale.com, C H A R L Y K A Y L E.com. This is your safe place to honor animals, where we'll nurture our connection to them mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and medically. We're going to dive into amazing ways highly trained dogs are detecting physical and emotional disorders and healing us too. My guest, Maria Godavich, just released a brand new book, Dr. Dogs. How Our Best Friends Are Becoming Our Best Medicine, and is considered one of the foremost author experts on working dogs. She's a former journalist for USA Today, news editor for Dogster.com, and has written three critically acclaimed New York Times bestselling books, Soldier Dogs, Top Dog, and Secret Service Dogs. You've seen her on national television, including The Today Show and The Daily Show with Jon Stewart who I adore, by the way, and I'm going to have to ask her more about that. Maria lives in San Francisco with her yellow lab, Gus, among other people. And, Maria, can we include your husband in that other category? We can, yes. It depends on the date. No, we can't. But <laughs> <Craig laughs> Gus takes precedence <laughs> over Craig. Yeah, well, we can, can only fit so many people in the
0: bio. So... <laughs> <laughs> Thank
1: you. Maria, you're clearly a passionate dog lover, but your books dive deep behind the scenes of cutting edge science to investigate how they are detecting medical maladies and more, how the dogs are detecting them. And you did the same for military dogs, showing how the connection between dogs and humans is deeper and more intricate than we will ever truly appreciate. And on top of that, you are an excellent writer. You've got a wry sense of humor and excellent descriptive detail so this is not a dry science medical read at all this is a fun read
0: thank you so much i had a lot of fun doing it even even though there was so much science to pour through and the latest studies um, i traveled around the world which was really a- fun and amazing. I got to see places I always wanted to see because this cutting-edge research is taking place around the world. So um, it was a lot to put together the science, but I, I do hope I, I put it together in a way that was eminently readable and um, and entertaining at times when appropriate.
1: I have to admit, I was a little intimidated by the size and then knowing it was going to be so scientific. Um, hello. Hello. <laughs> dogs are saying hello to your gus <laughs> hey gus
0: says hi from- but he says it silently for now we'll see how he if he chimes in later
1: and then little brooklyn it? and then so the two of them decided to get in on the act Woo! so anyway Good. i was a little intimidated thinking about opening your book and then once i did you do you 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 take you know, fun stories and um, weave them into the science and have a little, you actually weave the science and the research in with the stories and Gus makes his appearance here and there sprinkled throughout the entire book. And you, Anyone who has the book has to have a big box of tissues as well, because uh, I'm an empath. So I feel everything going on. And I was crying right and left in this book. And, you know, some of it were tears of joy and happiness and wonderment. And some of it were just tears of what these poor people are going through in so many different cases. So Uh, it
0: was it was really I Definitely had some pretty misty eyes uh, sometimes when either interviewing the people or or putting together their stories and then seeing the difference the dogs make in their lives in in such profound ways even beyond what your dog and my dog uh, dogs uh, do for us um, the dogs who um, are dependent on for dependent on for the lives of their people like in the military which I've written about extensively the dogs depend on on their handlers to keep them safe and um, and as protected as possible in these war zones and at the same time the handlers and all the other people who are being led by the dog through these dangerous areas in war zones are utterly dependent on the dogs and that bond is just so absolutely important and even transcends apparently anything that um that regular dog people who whose lives don't depend on the dogs have and it's really it was it was amazing to hear the stories and they were very similar in their own ways as far as the bond and the life-saving capabilities of these dogs beyond the companionship and, and getting us out, taking, taking people on walks and all that just much more than that is, is helping them mostly through their, noses and what dogs have been shown to be able to do like in the battlefield they will sniff out explosives with all kinds of other stuff going on and noise and everything they are so highly trained at what they do that they're able to sniff these regardless of wind direction and everything else and it's the same now um, with dogs being trained at so many specialties that are helping people medically
1: except when there are smokers around
0: Right. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. You you you're a good reader. Um, yeah, smoke <laughs> can definitely. Uh, and that was a small part, small little part of a story. But yeah, smoke can. Imp- definitely impede the dog's sense of smell to the point where, you know, we're having all these, we were having all these wildfires in Northern California and I don't expect they're ending anytime soon. Um, and the dogs who are doing medical alerting um, need to be taken away from those areas because it can ruin their noses. And even um, being in the house with someone who smokes is, they, the dogs just really can't. Function if they are depending on their noses to alert them to various um, problems, health issues.
1: Right. So, Dr. Dogs is divided into three sections. The first section is dogs who detect cancer and Parkinson's, who alert about seizures, who alert about the diabetic highs and lows. Second session is a new field with dogs tackling sleep disorders and protecting us from antibiotic resistant bugs and epidemic catastrophes. And then the third section dogs who help with autism and mental health issues such as anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, PTSD, and also. disaster relief dogs. So I know we can't get to all of that in one tiny little show. So I think I'm thanking you in advance for sticking around so we can do a show too. But these are most for the most part, highly trained service dogs. Can you give people just a quick word of warning about getting their service dog from a reputable source doing the research before they acquire one?
0: Yeah, because the I, I do that only in the introduction. Because if I did a buyer beware or a, a receiver beware, a warning with every story, no. it would get really old. But it's so important because there are there are trainers out there who who are well intentioned and may not have the best ways of training the dog, so they're very accurate at what they will be detecting, Um, but they're trying and they may give a dog for free or they may sell a dog. And again, well-intentioned, maybe they've produced a few decent dogs. and there are also companies out there, organizations out there that just want to produce these dogs as fast as possible, do not train them well and want to make money. And um, that's, a, that's a big problem and probably a growing problem. And um, I, I would say get recommendations. Really, really, really do your research if, if you're ever going to acquire a dog from any of these organizations. Um, there, are, I, I don't I don't give any recommendations in the book because it's ever-changing, and um, I didn't think that would be appropriate, um, but people can see the success of the dogs in the book and um, check out some of those organizations, or you know, just doing your homework is so important. I know stories of people who have given $20,000, $25,000 for a dog to detect um, medical disorder, and the dog doesn't know much at all, mm-hmm. and they lost they've, 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 they've lost everything. And so, um, and there, there are horror stories around. So it's not like, um, it's not like this is, it's easy to get these dogs. It can be quite difficult. And, um, right. but when you get one, it's it's really worth it.
1: Yes. So let's give the first story we talk about to your own yellow lab, Gus, <laughs> whose antics are sprinkled throughout the book. Tell me about the plastic nose on your desk.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, it's sitting here staring at me right now as we speak. It is a plastic nose. It's the replica of an outside of a dog's nose that was taken from a, a dead dog in head in <laughs> in the freezer of um a couple of scientists that the do- the dog was donated to science, which is a lovely way to go. Um and and the dog's in- the inside of the dog's nose was um received, had MRIs done on it so that the scientists could study the inner structure of what makes these sniffers so incredibly accurate and fantastic. And um, that had already been done by a colleague from this one dog. And then I got the plastic model of the outside of the dog's nose. I, I had expressed interest in maybe seeing it at some point and, then I, I got it in the mail one day I didn't know what it was. Gus didn't know what it was and we were we were curious about this together and I thought, oh, this is from that scientist we talked to with a, with NIST and what could this be And we opened it and and he was immediately dumbfounded by the fact that there was a nose and he, he could I think he could tell it was a dog's nose it, it's kind of a, it got a rubbery end to it with the nostrils that that part of it is almost like the dog leather nose or whatever and the rest is plastic but he thought it was a great toy and he wanted to play with this um, immediately and during the writing he he did end up getting hold of it once <laughs> and, um, yeah. and i, I he, he i was he were, here he is and his his mouth open his own nose over this dog's <laughs> nose and like i made him drop it and made this big sud and had all his dog hair but he had he had chewed it so i put it up higher um off of out of his reach and the whole time it's been staring at me kind of inspiring me to to continue along with with some you know kind of tough tough parts to research and and right, but always keeping in mind that besides the all-important bond, the dog's nose is really um, at the core of what makes them be able to do this detection work so well.
1: Yeah, and I took it when, when, when you were describing Gus coming to you with this nose in his mouth, and I was saying to myself, oh, my gosh, Gus has tried to give you the message. You are on your path doing exactly what you should be doing. And he was
0: just oh, oh, I like that. I should have talked to you at the time uh, because I thought, oh, my God, I'm being distracted from work again. And then, yeah, you know, that oh. takes me about 15 minutes to get back to it. But it was it was pretty humorous. And once I wiped the, wiped the dog's slobber off and put it back on the show, Um, I realized that this this was kind of something that was going to help guide me along and it did every time I I kind of started going a little bit far astray there were some stories that got chopped because they were not direct as directly related to the sense of smell and and to the new cutting-edge science um, behind what what's going on or at least as far as new to science people have probably known their dogs could do these things for a long time anecdotally but science is catching up and and taking taking on some really great new strides with what what the dogs can do
1: so with training diabetic alert dogs it's for people with type 1 diabetes the people are saying that their dogs are faster and more reliable than their monitors to alert them to higher low blood sugar
0: yeah um there the, the good dogs and the ones i have in the book obviously are good and there are a lot of great dogs out there doing this work can um oftentimes are learning it seems to be about 15 to 20 minutes in front of all the all the devices that they have, and this is amazing it helps it helps them do what they need to do ahead of time the the people with diabetes do what they need to do in time to to really catch things before they go in the wrong direction and the dogs will also oftentimes the dogs while they're sleeping will smell the scent of the diabetic low for instance and and will wake up and wake up the person and have story in there of where the dog did this and probably saved this young man's life, and uh, clearly did because his his parents thought he would be in a coma without this dog And, and I've heard so many people talk about this, it's like, you know, you think how could a dog, a sleeping dog First of all, how could a dog smell the smell of uh, blood sugar going low, but uh, much less in their sleep? And one of the trainers I spoke with, and a scientist actually also, likened it to us smelling bacon when we're sleeping, or coffee. And you know that, that might, just a little whiff, might just kind of wake us up for those who eat bacon um, or drink coffee. Um, you just kind of catch that. And if it really means something to you, like the smell of a diabetic low really comes to mean something to a dog, they're going to be all the more alert. You know, we might smell coffee in the morning and go, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to go back to sleep, but the dog smells the diabetic low, whatever that smell is to them, and lets their person know, hey, something's up. Wake up and can save lives. So I I just think it's fascinating. And what's really cute is that some trainers have trained the dog not only to alert, and and they often alert by using um, this thing called a brinsel, which is kind of like a tube covered with or kind of a cloth tube almost that hangs off of the collar and the dog will grab the brinzel and look at the person or sit or give a paw or something but grabbing the brinzel is often part of what they do but then some go the next step and they will tell if it's a low or a high if it's a low they'll um, do sort of a downward dog bow and if it's a high they'll do a high five so um, the person can know immediately without even checking their device what what it might be. So I think that's just so endearing. and so sweet.
1: It is. It's amazing. And I know this isn't a scientific part of it, but I believe that they're also connected to their person's energy. So I think it's more than the physical aspect of smelling. I feel like they're, they're feeling their energy as well, but I know that's not something that you can put in a research journal. So that doesn't Right. actually,
0: you know, it's interesting because, um, in this, We'll probably be talking about seizures later, but um, during my research on seizures, that is one of the one of the things that was brought up in a couple of research papers that maybe it is this energy we don't even know about. There's something there. Um, that besides, it, it has, however, been shown that seizures do seem to have a smell to them the first paper was published this year showing that there is a smell now anyone who has a seizure alert dog can tell you yes this is definitely something but they really they've shown now that there is a smell and those who are training the dog on the scent of seizures can tell you this for a long time but science is finally showing it in their own way but that is one of the things is like some kind of energy that we don't know about might be manifesting And the dog can pick up on that. There's so much we don't know.
1: Right. Oh, so much. And I'm a big believer in that. Yes. And speaking of the seizure alert dogs, so some people have to uh, have little devices and have vagus nerve stimulators to help them, I guess, come out of their seizure. But there are dogs who know to lick the areas around the face and stimulate the vagus nerve so the person doesn't even need the device.
0: Yeah.
1: And just instinctually.
0: Instinctually, I was in Croatia and this dog, I, I learned about this dog. I was interviewing the people who had this, had trained their dog, but the dog as a puppy um, would, and they were training their own dog with the help of um, a, an organization that trains dogs for other medical issues and for um, people who are blind. And they, they were working with them and, and they would notice that Every time that the young man went into a seizure, the dog would lick around his whisker area and around the where actually where the vagus nerve would be coming down, and that is indeed the doctors told them that is that is stimulating the vagus nerve, and that was their doctor telling them this. So somehow the dog just knew, and this is not a one-time thing. I've heard this from other people as well, so I, I just think it's fascinating. And there is one dog who has been trained to um, stimulate the vagus nerve with a magnet that is on his collar, and um, he 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 will either prevent he can prevent a seizure from coming on, or he can um, stop one in its tracks. When when he does this, when he he goes to the device that's implanted in his person's chest area, and and stimulates the vagus nerve. So it's it's amazing what we can do at, that dogs can do who're trained and even instinctually what what they've been able to do. There's a dog, well, I don't want to take this interview too far, but um, we can talk about the heart disease, the heart attack dog as well. But a lot of untrained dogs there are doing these things without, without training. And um, there's a dog in the book who seemed to know when his person was going to have an angina attack or even a heart attack. And he would do this strange thing where he would lick um, the forearm, inside forearm of the man, as if it had peanut butter on it, and just lick, 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 and then the then the man um, was would would start feeling the angina come on. It wasn't because the dog was licking him. No, uh, right. Made the, <laughs> made the association, and um, and one time actually the dog did this with a stranger, and he said to the stranger, "Did you by any chance have heart issues?" And he said, "Yeah, I was just diagnosed." And he said, "You might want to." get some medical help right now because then, and I don't know what happened. The man said he was going to go off and get checked because he started not feeling well. So um, it's, it's incredible. And actually um, cancer detection, the first scientifically written about, that's not the right word, but the first dog in a journal um, to, to be written about in a journal for detecting cancer um, was in 1989, this little, Mixed breed dog in England named Baby Boo, and I loved writing about this story. <laughs> I found this woman who had um, who had uh, reported to her doctor that she uh, that this dog uh, was biting at her mole, uh, at this thing at the back of her leg, and it turned out, long story short, it was cancer. And this dog had been this most gentle, sweet little dog, and was caring about her her little other adopted dogs in the family, and one day just lunged at this woman's leg and started ripping at it. And um and she showed it to someone at work and this person said, You should go see a doctor And turns out it was melanoma and it would have spread very quickly if the dog had not discovered it. So I tracked her down. I tracked down the doctor who had done this paper in 1989 in The Lancet. It was actually just a letter to the editor, which are still considered pretty prestigious. And um, and I was able to get the story, the inside scoop, because uh, it was just two paragraphs in The Lancet. And it was great to resurrect that and to see what would have happened. And she still credits Baby Boo with saving her life. And actually the, the, med- the medical doctor, the dermatologist who wrote that, um, Article or a letter in the Lancet um, says that it was his most important patient of all because it shows him that listening to your patients is so important, and that and, and what what other animals can do for us is also amazing, and we really need to be listening to both. Um, Animals and other people. So, absolutely, um, I thought that was really profound. Yeah, it that was is. It. Sorry, if you hear my dog in the background, he is groaning at the shelf <sighs> that has some dog treats for Trader Joe's. So I'm just going to
1: give him one now. Oh so gosh, that's okay. My gosh. dogs were barking earlier. So I'm talking <laughs> okay. with Maria. With Maria Godavich, author of the new book, brand new book, Dr. Dogs, How Our Best Friends Are Becoming Our Best Medicine. Available everywhere. Find out more at mariagodavich.com. And um, Maria, I want to hear about your interview with Jon Stewart. I adore that man. How was he? How did that go? Of course, that was, was it for your book, Soldier Dogs?
0: Yeah, that was a long time ago. That was from my book, Soldier Dogs,
1: which was my first
0: book with Dutton, which is Penguin Random House now. Mm -hmm. And... um that was a last minute thing I, I didn't know. I was on the short list to be interviewed for The Daily Show. And some Australian actor cancelled. And my publicist called and said, would you like to do The Daily Show? I said, what? Are you kidding? Because um, I adore him too. And I, I watch the show every night. And so um, yeah, I flew to New York a few days later and he met me in the green room. Well, actually in the, um, in the makeup room. I was getting my makeup on and he was getting some powder. And we talked and it was fun talking with him. And, um, he asked how to pronounce my name about three times. And we got out there and, um, and, and, and he didn't get it right, but it's okay. Cause he was John Stewart and he was absolutely wonderful. I, I made my mind to just talk to him like he was a friend. Um, and it was just the two of us and the studio wasn't freezing cold with 300 people in the audience or however many there were with, you know, so many millions watching afterward. And it was really fun. He asked some really insightful questions and, um, it it was enjoyable. And I, um, I, I still, I wish I could remember what he said when he leaned in, you know, how they do when they talk to you at the end, but I remember. Yes. And he was great. So it was, I was trying not to be nervous with my, my, Great icon, and um, it was it went really well, and it actually helped get the book on the New York Times bestseller list in a big way, and then we were kind of off and running. So I'm forever grateful to him.
1: Forever oh grateful. yeah, and it was a fun interview. I enjoyed watching that. I was like, ah! Well, he's a big <laughs> animal lover too, and so is his wife. Yeah, and his wife is yeah, yeah. And now they so have an animal great. sanctuary, so that's fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. We have only gotten barely through the first third of the book and not even. Um, <laughs> so we still need to talk about dogs tackling things like sleep disorders, um, and the whole antibiotic resistant bug thing and then dogs who help with autism I want to talk about that and then the mental issues and helping with um, the depression and schizophrenia PTSD all of that so you are staying for another show um, as this one is about- I know oh, I can't- that was fast yeah I know it goes way too fast oh and we've <laughs> got to talk about Dr. Cats too and I mean C-A-T-S cats who are doctors and have incredible you were saying cats have um better olfactory systems than dogs um in in one aspect perhaps uh-huh, uh part of it are, then. okay
0: They are dr Cat. so so we yeah well i will be happy to talk to you about about them in the next segment
1: okay so we're <laughs> we will do that but um what is one last thing you'd like to impress upon everyone in this show
0: well, um, one thing we didn't talk about was dogs in uh, in research. So when we talk about dogs detecting cancer, people are not training dogs to stay at your home and detect if you ever have cancer. This is going on in really fun research centers where the dogs are volunteers and they get rewarded. Their paycheck is lots of love and a toy usually, and they are doing an amazing, amazing job at detecting cancer. And I would love to talk more about that because that really has great hope for the future at what they can do. They're not going to be in laboratories sniffing out cancer.
1: Oh, thank God.
0: Yes. Yeah, they're going to be a step in the direction of um, a device that can really probably save lives one day Mm -hmm. and be really affordable and quick. So that that is so they're they're just heroes in so many ways and not just for the people that have them as service dogs, but also in these settings where they're having a blast detecting these things and, and getting love and rewards for them.
1: Oh, I love that. All right. That and much more very soon in our next episode. You can find out more about Maria Godavage and her new book just released this week, Dr. Dogs, How Our Best Friends Are Becoming Our Best Medicine at com, M-A-R-I-A. And Godavage is spelled G-O-O-D-A-V-A-G-E. Dot com. Thank you for hanging out with me on Mind Body Pause, Holistic Living for You and Your Animals. I'm Charlie Kale. Check out my Reiki business, Energy Healing for People and Pause, for in person or distant healing sessions, people or animals, at charliekale.com. And you can find past shows on there as well as on my page at Empower Radio. And you can download the Empower mobile app. This show is also on all the podcast apps as well. Thank you, Brent Carey, founder and CEO of Empower Radio, and Remy Smith in the studio in Detroit for both of their love and support. Take care and remember no matter what's going on with your animals, don't beat yourself up thinking you could have done better because you're doing the best you can. They know it and chose you anyway and love you for it. Mind Body Pause is a guilt free zone. See you next time.